From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. You may have heard that physical activity during pregnancy can be beneficial for mom and baby. Today, I'm speaking with someone who is researching specifically what exercise approach is best. Danielle Marino is a doctor of physical therapy and a postdoctoral associate in the Department of Physical Therapy Education at Upstate. Welcome to HealthLink on Air. Thank you so much for having me. Now, do pregnant women as a whole, do they get adequate exercise? So historically, um, pregnant women were advised to refrain from exercise uh, due to concerns of maternal and fetal risk, such as preterm delivery, uh, low infant birth rate and fetal stress. Um, but the current research is indicating that exercise when performed at a moderate intensity, even in women that were previously sedentary, is perfectly safe uh, for both the mother and the fetus if they were healthy at baseline. Um, we're finding in the literature that only 9 to 15% of pregnant women are meeting the recommended amount of physical activity. Um, we also know that women of lower socioeconomic backgrounds are even less likely to meet that physical activity recommendation. So is it because of that preconceived notion that exercise is unsafe? Um, we're not totally sure. And that's why we're doing this research. So what are the current activity recommendations? What types of activity and for how long? Yeah, so the ACSM or the American College of Sports Medicine um, and the ACOG or American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists recommend 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity cardio and two days per week of resistance training. So for cardio, that would be uh, running or walking and, and what would be resistance? Yeah, so um, the ACOG and ACSM encourage brisk walking, um, stationary cycling, dancing, Zumba, swimming, those are all great examples of moderate intensity activities. Um, the ACOG likes to describe moderate intensity as moving just enough to raise your heart rate and sweat, um, but you can still talk normally, uh, but you cannot sing. Uh, so for our study, we are using what's called the RPE scale um, or the rating of perceived exertion scale uh, to keep our participants within that moderate range. So it's a self-reported scale that ranges numerically from 6 to 20, with 6 being you just at rest right now um, and a 20 being that the exercise is too difficult and you need to stop. So we're trying to keep our participants between that 12 to 14 range. Now, does flexibility enter into any of the exercise recommendations? Yeah, um, so the ACOG also recommends um, that you do about two days a week of flexibility training. So we're incorporating that with our participants um, before and after each workout as a warm up and a cool down. So we're having the participants spend just about five minutes um, before and after um, the exercises, just gently moving their body um, within its available range of motion. So doing arm circles, ankle circles, rotating their head, their shoulders, really simple movements. Now, let me ask you, are there some pregnant women who are recommended not to exercise? And, and are there some exercises that are not recommended for pregnant women? Yeah, um, so all of our participants, um, they have to have clearance from their OBGYN prior to joining the study. Um, and you should always consult with your doctor before beginning a new exercise program. 
uh, generally having any conditions that may lead to pregnancy complications or anything that places you in that high risk category of pregnancy should really be cautious in their exercising and follow their doctor's guidance. Um, so we're just making sure that we're um, not doing any activities that are high impact. Um, we're avoiding having the pregnant women um, lay on their backs after that first trimester um, and really just following those ACOG guidelines. Is there any research that you're aware of that shows that a baby will be active if they have a mom who's physically active during pregnancy? So we know that babies of these physically active moms um, are being born at healthier weights, uh, which makes them less likely to be obese later in life. Um, and so if that mom is leading a healthy lifestyle um, and leading a great example, um, then it's been shown that those healthy habits um, are often carried over and encouraged in their children as well. Well, let's talk about uh, what physical activity actually does for the mom and the baby. What are what are the benefits? Yeah, so there are so many benefits, not only for the mother, uh, but for the baby too. So the research is showing that exercise during pregnancy uh, reduces the risk of excessive weight gain. Uh, it reduces the risk of developing preeclampsia or high blood pressure, um, gestational diabetes or high blood sugar. Uh, it reduces the risk of having a preterm birth, having an overly large sized baby. And then it also decreases, you know, depressive symptoms in mom. It improves her sleep. And then we're finding in babies that they're having higher APGAR scores. Um, their neonatal motor skills are shown to be more advanced and the risk for childhood obesity is decreased. What is an APGAR score for the baby? So it's a way for um, the doctors to um, evaluate the baby when it's born um, to see how healthy it is. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. This is your host, Amber Smith, talking with Doctor of Physical Therapy, Danielle Marino, who's a postdoctoral associate in the Department of Physical Therapy Education at Upstate. Now you have a project underway called Sprout that I'd like you to tell us about. What does Sprout stand for? It's quite the mouthful. Um, so it's starting pregnancy with robustness for optimal upward trajectories. Okay. And so it's basically looking at how to improve pregnancy outcomes with exercise? Yeah, so uh, we want to find the best way to promote participation um, and adherence to an exercise intervention. Uh, and we really wanna focus on that across the spectrum of demographics because we're finding in the research that a lot of the studies looked at women that were already physically fit, um, we're primarily Caucasian um, with graduate degrees, uh, so we're really wanting to focus on a variety of participants. Um, we've also found in the literature uh, that women of color are two times more likely to have a preterm delivery, um, to have a higher pre-pregnancy BMI and higher rates of obesity. Um, and if you are a visible minority or have a lower household income, um, you're less likely to meet those exercise guidelines. So we're really trying to find what is the best um, mode of exercise to get people to stick to a program. So are you comparing different types of exercise? 
We are. So we're looking at the difference between a supervised exercise program. So the participants would work one on one with us at um, a facility that had access to dumbbells and weightlifting machines and ellipticals. Uh, and then we're comparing that to a home exercise group where we give them guidelines of what exercises they should be doing. We provide some resistance bands, um, but they're responsible on their own for completing that exercise. So who is able to volunteer? So we're looking for women um, that are 18 and over uh, that are in that low risk category. Um, with just a single fetus, um, we're not doing multiples at this time. And we're looking for women that have any kind of background in uh, fitness um, and have all different backgrounds of their demographics. Do uh, can they be at any stage of pregnancy? We are recruiting in just the 1st trimester. Um, so between that, like, 8 and 13 week range. So someone who fits that profile, but really hasn't done much exercise at all. Would they qualify or are you looking for people who um, have done exercise or, or sort of have that as a habit to begin with? Nope, we, we are really looking for women who um, have no experience with exercise so that we can increase that adherence um, to those exercise programs. All right, um, what's required of the volunteers? How many visits will they have to make? Basically, how much of their time do you need? So, um, it's a 15 month long commitment. Um, every participant will, uh, have an assessment with us, um, at the IHP and we will, um, you know, get baseline information on their blood pressure, their heart rate. Uh, we'll do a simple walking treadmill test to get like a baseline of their fitness level. Um, and then after that. If they're in the supervised group, we do expect them to come to the IHP to exercise with us uh, two to three days a week. Um, if you're in the home exercise group or the control group, we really don't see you again until baby is born. So after baby is born, we follow the families in the home um, monthly for six months post delivery um, to look at the baby's development. Um, we are administering a couple of outcome measures um, that are looking at, you know, quality of life, fatigue, um, sleep, depression, um, and we're administering those every trimester um, and then at the end of the study as well. Well, we should say IHP is the Institute for Human Performance in Syracuse on the, on the campus at Upstate. Um, now, once someone joins the study, how do you do they get to pick which of the groups they go to? Unfortunately, they don't. So we are randomizing the participants. So every participant um, is assigned a random number uh, that um, puts them in one of the groups. We also have um, a control group as well. Um, with that group, they are just doing whatever activity that they would normally would be doing um, and recording that. Okay. Now, so if someone joins at the same time with a friend, who's kind of at the same stage, there's no guarantee they'll be doing the same thing. They may be doing very different things. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't have them buddy up and be, you know, supervised exercise together, but they're welcome to do on their own together with the <laughs> activities. Now, what is the Polar Ignite watch? Yeah, so every participant is given this Polar Ignite watch, um, which is basically a fitness smart watch. 
um, and it is tracking, you know, how many hours they're sleeping, how many steps they're taking, what's their heart rate. So we're using some of that data um, to record, to monitor that they're staying within that moderate intensity range. We're using that sleep information to see, you know, where are they getting enough sleep every night? Um, and we're collecting that data throughout the entire study. Now, the questionnaire that moms are going to be completing, I think, six times during the study, what sorts of things are you asking the moms to, to track? Yeah, so we're using um, a couple of outcome measures that are valid and reliable in the pregnant population. Um, so we're asking them questions about any limitations um, in their physical and social activities. Um, some general mental health questions and health perception questions, um, questions related to like their motivation to do some daily activities, um, if they had any trouble sleeping, just to see if exercise is going to improve any of that. Now, do you expect that there's going to be some changes to, I'm thinking specifically about sleep quality <laughs> after the baby's born? Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that changes. Um, I think that's why we're doing this research is to really get a better idea of is there any difference um, in that sleep with the exercise. And then once the baby's born, you mentioned um, researchers will go to the home to do the uh, measurements of the baby and. We will, yeah. So we're using what's called the Bailey um, to measure the baby's motor skills and cognitive skills. So specifically, we'll be testing um, finding gross motor um, and then doing some testing related to their cognitive skills because we're finding um, in the literature that, um, you know, within those first couple months of life, they're seeing some advancement in those skills in women that exercised, um, but they haven't tracked them for longer than that. So we're intending to expand on this uh, and track the babies up to six months post delivery to see if those benefits are lasting. So moms who participate in this can help you um, hopefully find out and, and decide which is which is which is most helpful in terms of exercise. And they get to keep a polar ignite watch to measure their activity and, and health, right? That's right. And we're also um, compensating the participants for every um, visit to the IHP and for every home visit as well. So some groups will get paid a little bit more um, than others. Now, how would listeners go about learning more or finding out if they can sign up for this? So they can contact me directly via email or phone. Um, my email is marinod at upstate.edu. Um, and my phone number is 315. 4816013. So that's M A R I N O D at upstate.edu or 315 481 6013. Well, thank you to Dr. Danielle Marino. She's a doctor of physical therapy and a postdoctoral associate in the Department of Physical Therapy Education at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and radio talk show, HealthLink on Air.